Hi folks, and thanks for listening to this Tortoiseshack podcast. This is the conversation Rory had a couple of weeks ago with the artist Asbestos. You may remember him as the gentleman who painted the large mural on the side of the building in Cork to depict dereliction, which drew the attention of none other of the then Taoiseach, Michal Martin. Uh, we thought we'd put it out now for the general public, given that uh, politically motivated art is very much uh, in the zeitgeist, and um, Asbestos explains really well why he does the work he does and how he just wants the art to speak for itself please give it a listen i think it's a really fascinating insight i know that it's hard to keep up with things at the moment so myself and rory sat down and had a conversation about what's happening around housing and the mortgage arrears crisis that is coming back into focus over the last six months since interest rates really started to ramp up and households are feeling the pressure alongside the cost of living crisis. Uh, that's out right now for our patrons. Oh, we You may also have heard our uh, Taoiseach now, Leo Varadkar and Dara O'Brien, in a bit of a standoff about who said what, um, according to Father Peter McVerry. Well, Father Peter McVerry himself is joining us on the podcast in... Less than, I think it's about 90 minutes, and I will have that out on the Patreon feed as quickly as I can. So looking forward to talking with Peter again. Uh, It's been a little while, but plenty to discuss. So if you remember, just refresh your feed, and it'll be there for you as soon as I get it edited. If you're not a member, please join us. We rely on you. We have no ads, no sponsors. The Tortoise Shack needs you to chip in and pay it forward and keep our podcasts free. The link you need is right there in the podcast you're listening to now. It says patreon.com forward slash tortoise shack. It is the price of a tea and scone to you, but it pays the bills and keeps the mics on and conversations going for us. I'll stop rabbiting on now. Enjoy the podcast. <laughs> Welcome to Reboot Republic, the podcast that goes behind the headlines and looks at the big issues in this republic of inequality. We are the podcast of solutions and the podcast of hope, and I'm your host, Rory Hearn. Delighted to be joined the podcast today by an artist who goes by Asbestos, and some of you might be familiar with his work. He's he's done an amazing um, number of pieces of street art, um, which have engaged with the housing crisis and um, I'm not a great man for descriptions of things, so I'm going to leave him describe him, himself. Um, in terms of introducing him, he is an Irish artist who's been creating work on the street and in a variety in a variety of media since 2003. In his portrait series, he creates work that consists of two versions of his persona, one real, one fictional, combines photorealism and abstract naive strokes in his work. He strives to provoke a reaction, but one that creates a dialogue between him and the audience. And he strives to delve deeper into what it means to have an outer and inner self and how the masks that he and everyone wears create multiple personas, personas that we use to interact and cope with the world we're trying to navigate. Asbestos, it's great to have you on Reboot Republic. Thank you. Wonderful to be here. I, I love your um the description of the personas and the masks we wear because we're yeah. all putting on masks all the time, aren't we? We are, and it's interesting. Just um, I was thinking about this uh, conversation during the week, and just even lots of different com- conversations and some of the questions you were asking me about it. But we've got into quite a polarized society at the moment, where mm-hmm. everyone has a very kind of quite blinkered opinion, even though there's so much information out there. Yeah. And I think we all put on 
we have a home mask, we have masks for our friends, we have all of these different personalities and these ways that we kind of interact. But what was striking and interesting was thinking about how it's very hard nowadays for people to see other people's perspectives or put, yeah. our, put ourselves in somebody else's shoes. Mm. And one of the things that I think what has been, has been interesting in my work with using masks is I'm a middle-aged white English-speaking male, um, so my perspective on the world is quite uh, has a, a has a privilege to it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, by putting a mask on, what it does is it kind of levels the playing field to a certain extent around not projecting my own self, but projecting a common um, interaction or a common sense of story or narrative or purpose or specifically. So, say for example, the the mural in Cork, what is home? Even though it's me on the wall, it's not really me. It's me playing a character, and by wearing the the mask and the costume. Can you describe that to people briefly, Pete? Yeah, it's me. Um, it's kind of a three, four-story building uh, in quite a a greyish area in Cork. It's kind of on the back of where Sir Henry's used to be, and uh, there's a lot of kind of buildings that have been knocked down or car parks. So it's kind of quite a, a brown grey area of that is starting to be redeveloped. Honest, there's me wearing kind of a striped blue and white um, sweatshirt and then wearing a, a house made of cardboard on my head and two holes poked in a fries. But the whole point of it is called What is Home? And mm. I've left it quite open as a piece. And I think people kind of project their meaning onto it. Some people see it as something to do with the housing crisis. Others see it to do with um, homelessness. Other people to do with regeneration of the city, gentrification. Um, but it also kind of deals with what home actually means to everyone individually, because somebody could be living in Ireland for six months and feel it's their home. Yeah. Or they could be here for somebody could have gone away to America or to the UK and still feel that Ireland is their home. It doesn't feel an association with the country that they're living in. So the question of just even asking people what is home is such an open question that it provokes a very interesting debate. And I think what's interesting about wearing a mask around it is it's not about me asking that question. It actually becomes less about me and it becomes more about the conversations people are having, because even around that mural with the, it was in and around kind of the end of the year and people uh, down in Cork, school kids were were making their own masks. It was people making uh, costumes for uh, for Halloween. And it was interesting because they were able to own, there was an ownership sense that people saw that it was partly theirs as opposed to just being mine. When once you do a mural like that, you kind of relinquish ownership on it. For me, it's about, it's what's it's done, it's done. It's no, yeah. longer, it, it's it, no longer mine to dictate how people interpret it, but it's, it, and people can kind of gain ownership around it and gain a sense of conversation. Yeah, no, it, it's a fascinating mural, and it, it's so striking, um, you know, and and it really, you know, people can check it out and look it up. It's it's striking on many levels because you know, as you say, you know, it's it's the cardboard box over, you know, over your head, and like even the grey masking tape. I'm sure it all has purpose and meaning. And the hmm. what's the X over the eye? What's that? It was, it's just a crude stroke, really, of kind of mm -hmm. creating a, a character. I've, 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 I kind of play with different characters or different things. There's one that I have that's kind of a, 
and a very simple version of myself um that i use as like a naive version of myself so that's kind of almost like a child's drawing of what um, a mask would be or my own childlike drawing of a face so it's there's a naivety to it and a sense of it being just something kind of thrown together rather than something being totally constructed there's a playfulness to it because that shape of a house kind of denotes almost a um something you'd make quite quickly if you were trying to represent a house so it's not necessarily trying to be a brilliant representation of it but it's almost like the monopoly board house yes yes i see that now looking at it yeah yeah and i actually hadn't noticed that um i was just wondering the practicality of doing that do you like have you know the sketch done out and then you put that on the wall essentially um that idea was kind of lingering around for a long time and it was just when ardu approached me around the festival and showed me the site it just felt as if it was a perfect site for uh, yeah for that piece and then working back i'll kind of I'll, I'll construct the mask and then photograph it and the process of actually making the mural is just uh mapping out the wall and you kind of you it's kind of like gridding it but you'll I'll find a way to project the image onto it not projecting it but um ma- mapping it out and drawing the lines and then filling it in so there's a process to it like all kind of uh artistic craft a lot of it is just drudge work really in some ways it must be like i was just looking at it you know the size of the mirror like it's a full is it a three-story almost three or four story yeah painting that big is isn't difficult it's just time consuming it was a horrible um pebble dash 70s or 60s (laughs) wall so uh or probably even earlier it was quite hard to paint but when you're painting at that painting at any scale is just a matter of time more than artistic or uh, emerit or craft it just takes a bit longer or takes a bit more effort it's more physical i find it actually funny enough to paint bigger than smaller really no okay it's interesting but i i just think it's an incredible skill to be able to replicate it or or to, to have the image you know look as it does at that scale um and what happens like if you you know you got it slightly wrong <laughs> do you redo it or you well, when you're sketching it out and you're kind of mapping the wall out it's quite easy to yeah. just stand back and see what's right and what's wrong because you're you're very much working off a a very like you 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 map up the space and then put, put the image onto it and overlap the two and it it, it is actually it, it's a quick enough process it takes a day or so to kind of get the general outline done yeah, yeah, yeah. Brilliant, brilliant. And listen, there was a bit of controversy around it. Uh, Michal yeah. Martin, the Taoiseach, uh, decided to um, engage with it. <laughs> Do you want to tell us what happened around that? Well, it was just somebody pointed out that on TikTok, there was a video about Cork and one of the images used put up on his TikTok uh, was was the mural. And I think there's kind of two sides to it. One is copyright and ownership. So anyone you utilising any creative work for endorsing them is copyright infringement. So there's, there is a permission needed for that. And he didn't just use my an image of the mural, which is copyrighted, but also my, my own photography. And he used lots of photography that whoever was making that piece was an intern or a social media manager or whatever his team is. Mm. And they just took images off Google. Like they didn't ask permission. There was sports file images. There was lots. So people working the creative industry are few and far are making a lot of money out of it. And any 
income is welcomed. So just thinking that they can use that, those images without taking permission is one thing. But his naivety or the team's naivety of thinking, of putting a mural up, criticizing and being provoking a conversation around the terrible results of the housing crisis that have resulted out of this and previous governments is kind of ironic. Um, so I just issued a statement saying that I wanted him to remove it from his video, that I wanted him to apologize over it and to, like, I was asking for compensation, but it wasn't really the purpose. It was more, I would have given that to charity, but it was shining a light on the fact that A, he's not allowed to use it and B, the stupidity of using something that was so contradictory to his message. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it kind of kicked off over a couple of days. They did, they refused to respond to both the Irish Independent and to the Examiner. And eventually they were forced to issue an apology, which is quite bizarre. I was standing in super value when I got an email from them saying <laughs> that Ishak is apologizing to you. But, and, and even going back to kind of your question early on about kind of the masks and persona. I've never met the man, so mm. I'm not going to, I, I, on a personal level, I, it has nothing to do with him. It has to do with him as an individual who is representing the country. He has he has a responsibility as a politician to understand the laws of the land and to understand the usage and artistic usage and in, interacting with that. So I've dealt with it very much not on a personal basis, yeah, but yeah. on a um, on a interaction with that. So once I got it, like I could have pursued it in court. I could have taken him to court. I uh, spoke to a friend about it and he was like, look, you can, but it's about creating a conversation and a dialogue. And it it, it was another little part of that mural continuing on and being part of a, a wider dialogue. Uh, I would have been wrapped up in court cases and stuff for years and it would have been a waste of time and it just would have, it wouldn't have benefited anyone. I think the benefit out of highlighting the hypocrisy that he had was embarrassing them and like this is a, a a party that is focused on bringing google and facebook and apple and all of these massive tech companies in who are bringing in their businesses for ip reasons they're bringing their intellectual property to ireland and earning profits off intellectual property and clearly the man doesn't understand intellectual property or copyright law or yeah. the ownership of ideas because if he did, he would have told his team not to do that. So it just it, it created an awful lot of conversations that I wasn't expecting, which was kind of interesting. Yeah. And it was very open to everyone, even people criticizing me and having arguments. Some of the people who were completely against me and who were calling me all sorts of stuff, I had probably the more interesting arguments than the people that I that agreed with me, because at least I was not so necessary learning, sometimes learning, but actually it, it was a, a, a combative conversation can teach you an awful lot more if you're open to listening. And a lot of the times they were. A lot of times we had great conversations, even though we didn't agree. Mm. Well, it certainly, uh, as you said, raised got attention for it. And and ironically, as you say, uh, you know, the thought goes comes into my mind is like, how did they seriously? You know, you would think they would try to avoid its use. And and the question comes in: Do they not get it, or it do they not that. see it as representing? you know homelessness and housing crisis or are they like oh yeah there's a housing crisis that's really bad that's got nothing to do with us i'm like going what levels of disassociation i, I going think it might have been like the post was actually about how much he, he loved cork i think somebody just probably google image searched cool things in cork or yeah since stuff in cork and just grab stuff 
thinking that Google is this resource that you can just pick stuff from uh, yeah. for free. Um, but that question of like, like how disconnected are they from the housing crisis almost that they can look at that and not see their policies and what they're doing is, is probably. I, I think there's kind of layers to it. I think the yeah. person putting it together, whoever they are, is not wasn't Michael Martin. He wasn't sitting in yeah. images. Yeah. Whoever put it together is probably a really badly paid or not paid at all uh, social media manager who was probably being uh, asked to do way more work than they probably can cope with. Yeah. So I probably, to be honest, I probably have a massive level of sympathy for them and they probably yeah. got bollocking over it. Yeah. But it's a hierarchical thing about the 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 way creatives are treated within society. Mm. And if you look at society and the, I remember an uncle of mine saying this, find the things that people love doing and you'll generally find the trades that are paid the worst. Yeah. Like what the worst that? jobs in the world, as in kind of like the things that are the most boring, are often like accountancy and solicitors <laughs> and bankers are all paid pretty well. Whereas things that people generally love, people who love teaching, who, who have a vocation, who love being like looking after people, whether it's in care or whether it's nurses, yeah. or, like they get paid badly because they'll still do the job because they love it and the same with artists and creatives they get they love their job but loving your job doesn't mean you're you've got a carte blanche for for mistreating it and yeah. as a country i think the thing that we can sell the best and actually be most successful with is our creativity like look at the oscars for god's sake like every filmmaker in ireland thinks they can win an oscar now yeah. Uh, animation is huge here. The art scene is is fantastic, despite and there is good. In fairness to the government, there is good. Has been some good support for the arts, but not even close to enough. Like the agility mm. awards, the arts council do a great job. Um, and there is support there. There are people definitely fighting for it, but. It's not it's not enough, and it's not enough in the sense that e utilizing the arts as a way of developing industries and developing employment is actually a no-brainer for me. Yeah, it's an issue. And I know you wanted to make that point when we were having the discussion before the podcast around that it's not all doom and gloom. No, but I, th I think nature finds like nature finds a way, like it abhors a vacuum and creativity will find a way to 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 do what they can with the money that they can find. Mm. So it is in the nature of creative people to find creative solutions to difficult problems. In fact, having a, a the bigger the problem is often where you find the creative, more interesting creative solution. Um, so in times of hardship, a lot of great creative work happens. But I think we need to be not naive in thinking that this is idea uh, kind of um 19th century idea of the artists in the garage suffering um i think most artists would prefer not to be suffering and creating good work yeah it's, it's definitely it's definitely really 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 tough and so many people i know have left the country so many people like the statistics are just shocking like and seven. Do you mean artists, people engaged? Or, in well, even creation. just young people. Seventy yeah. percent of people, I think, it was District Magazine had a figure of like seventy percent of twenty to twenty-five year olds were thinking of leaving the country. Yeah, yeah. Um, a, a guy I, I work with, he lives in Denmark now, and ten percent of twenty to twenty-nine year olds in Denmark live at home. Yeah, seventy percent in Ireland. So, like, how can how can you even be an artist if you're in a bedroom upstairs in your parents' house and trying to create work? 
trying to, whether it's music or dance or uh, filmmaking, whatever it is, like your independence has been scuppered. Spaces for studios are few and far between. They they jump around the people who run the studios, find a building and then it gets developed and find another building and gets developed. Mm. Studio space is at a premium at the moment because the city is expanding so quickly and what I what I'm very careful about is making this a very simple binary equation saying oh, yeah. we need more studios. Yes, we do. But we we do need hotel rooms because hotels are expensive, but we also need a certain type of hotel. We do need accommodation, but maybe we get rid of Airbnb. Yeah. But then where does that spill out? So every everything solution, and you know more than me about this, will have a consequence. And I think we can very easily make rash judgments and say you should do this, this, and this. So I don't really know what the answer is. I'm, I'm kind of coming onto this going, I kind of want to know the answers. <laughs> providing them. I can provide a commentary about how people feel. Yeah. So you know how to solve it. Yeah. But I think that commentary is so important um, around highlighting, because as you say, like it, it is a form of, it's social engaged form of activism. It is a form of, yeah. um you know, kind of engaging in the public sphere in a way that connects with people that the way that a protest mightn't or a even, you know, an article or, you know, when you have that mural there, you know, people stop and they look at it or they see it on social media and it, it doesn't, it engages even different ty- parts of the brain as well. Isn't yeah. that right? In terms of well, the, the hope with it is, is that people read, read something into it that isn't, preachy that isn't mm. a very simple message it's something that they can kind of feel connected with and i think even with the whole kind of narrative around and talking to somebody recently about this who's very much involved in activism the whole rise of the far right at the moment which mm. is very worrying but i'm kind of i've asked the question to a lot of people is it as big a problem as we think it is or is it something that we just we need to be aware of but not not try and throw the baby out with the bath water we're a very welcoming country yeah. So rather than trying to combat the far right, I think that's the wrong approach because the people who are worried about this and the people who are out protesting and doing and having these protests are they're actually united with the people who are coming in from uh, from as refugees or even the economic migrants. Like we're all suffering and we all want the same thing, which is we want a home, we want yeah. a job, we want uh, to, to be able to go for a few pints, we want our family yeah. to be safe, we want our, to be able to afford healthcare. Like we all generally want the same thing. So there's a there's a quote I read recently, and it was I think it was attributed to random people. I think it might have come from Kurt Vonnegut, but it was about black ants and red ants in a jar, and they're fighting each other. But the reason they're fighting each other is the jar has been shaken. And it's not the fault of the red ants or the black ants. It's the fault of the person shaking the jar. Yeah. And yeah. I thought it was a really interesting way of, of, of looking at it because we're all fighting against each other. But the simple underlying problems are capitalism focuses on capital, not on people. And even talking about you being a capital or somebody being a capitalist, but being a worker, well, no, you're part of the you're part of the the machinery. And like back from the revolution in France of the saboteurs and looking at how society was going to form, like Europe has been, has fortunately been more of a left focused society. 
and but the right wing around the world are very good at winning elections because they focus on one thing and one thing only of winning they don't re really care about how they win uh that no. and they're focused on capital being the thing that is uh the most important so in general all of us want the same thing but we're kind of i think we're being that jar has been shaken and it's not us that's shaking it no you're you're absolutely right and i think it's it is an important angle in terms of the idea of combating the far right is actually to address the issues the real issues which are underpinning people's yeah. sense of anxiety and exclusion and fear which is predominantly the housing issue and homelessness and the abandonment you know by the state through austerity of social housing of you know cuts to communities um and inequality and poverty that that persists and yeah you, you know you're absolutely right to say that that's what we need to put the focus on and i think it's more where we can say look let's join together and focus on you know campaigning changing housing that that will take the wind out of the far right and there's, there's a really amazing podcast i just listened to um the other day i was i was listening to i think i can't remember the name but it's um, malcolm gladwell's podcast and he was talking about how when he was a kid their family took in um families from vietnam so he was talking about the refugee crisis at the moment but in yeah he was a kid it was vietnamese boat people and in canada they have a different system that the refugees aren't brought in through the government they're brought in through local support so you apply or the the local organizations say we want to take in 10 people they do all the paperwork and it's not actually the government doing the job the i think the government in in canada take in more refugees than pretty much any country in the world but it's done less decentralized whereas if you go across the border it's so centralized and so bureau, uh, bureaucratic that it takes the humanity out of it whereas yeah. it's, a, it's a really interesting piece because it was about trying to deal with it on a human level as opposed to dealing with it on a bureaucratic level yeah yeah and i think it's, it's become so simple to say oh it's the problem of refugees like think about it the word refugee is actually about looking for refuge it should be us welcoming these people in and communities being supported by amazing wonderful people coming into the country like there's they're not a threat like it's it's it, it's such a binary conversation and what was interesting was recently on James's Street, um, somebody painted onto a billboard, a massive white billboard that was empty, um, Fauchero Typhig, which is um, welcome refugees in Irish. Yeah. And it's a graffiti artist. Like, as far as I know, it's somebody who like puts up an awful lot of illegal graffiti around the country and around the world. But they, instead of like, if a vandal is if somebody is supposedly an outsider in society, a vandal is treating the people who are supposedly the kind of the evils, uh, uh, which has been the narrative created. Like if vandals are the people who are actually the moral compass, I think politicians <laughs> have lost have lost the the, the narrative. Uh, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. No, and and I think that. Um... That idea of, you know, again, that comes back to, you know, and, and what was I was really, you know, struck by in, in your art is, you know, that that social commentary that's there, that there is a power in that street art, particular form of art in yeah. engaging 
engaging the public in in these in these ways and and there is um I know legislation at the moment been proposed around um decriminalizing yeah. street art what what's your view on that well it's not decriminalizing street art there will always, I was I was talking about this recently like if you're if you're doing something illegally you're doing something illegally like it's not going to change it um it was introduced by i think Sinn Féin and uh in association with subset who i don't really agree with their tactics and their approach to things they're 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 not as i think the public see them as kind of the white knights but they're they're a little bit more it's more nuanced they're a commercial company painting commercial murals um, fair, in fairness, fair dues to them for for pushing and 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 trying to get this into uh, reality. It's really interesting because back to the same point as like listening to both sides. It's very much a one sided conversation about this is a really good thing, which it probably will be, but it's also maybe not as good a thing as you think it is because the legislation is quite basic. And I was speaking to somebody in the council um, last week who is a massive supporter of murals and yeah. supporter and has been amazing help to the community. And they were saying it's such a simple piece of legislation that if somebody wanted to paint the GPO bright pink, that there would be nothing that could be could stop them if this bill went ahead. So it would be a free for all. And like for somebody who loves graffiti and loves street art, fine, that's grand. But I think most people actually wouldn't want the GPO to be painted bright pink and nobody to be able to do anything about it. So we do like even when you talk about a hotel being built in the wrong location, we people went out and protested against the cobblestone being destroyed. And they did it through a system of actually saying this is the, the process within government or within the council to object to it. And all yeah. of those objects, it counted something. So we use the system in that protest. That wouldn't be possible with this legislation, as far as I understand, but I don't know enough about it. So I think it's interesting, the council weren't consulted on that legislation, and they're the people who have to enact it. So regardless of whether they're right or wrong, and there's a lot of criticism people have for the council, but they don't have a voice in this conversation. The people who have a voice are everyone against them. So. Like even that, you know, the mural that was down, the, the the trash mural of the squirrel that was down on the keys. Yeah, yeah. So many people have said to me and given out about the council taking it down. It was the developer who destroyed it. Mm. The artist wanted to keep it and move it somewhere else. And the developer just said, couldn't care less and destroyed yeah. it as far as I know. The council gave it planning permission within 24 or 48 hours. They saw it and went, this is great, brilliant. So everyone thinks the council are the demon there, but actually yeah. they're the people who, and the council have said to me and loads of other artists, if you want to paint a mural, we'll do everything we can to support you and we'll give you planning permission, we'll sort it out. So the facility is already there. It's just, it's not being utilized or not being taken advantage of in the way that it should. So it's a very nuanced conversation. I'm probably getting a lot wrong in this, or maybe I don't understand the legislation exactly, but I think it's really interesting I love to see murals. I love to see street art. For me, murals and street art are kind of two different things. Street art is illegal. Graffiti is illegal. You'll never stop that. It's gone around for 40,000 years and there will yeah. always be illegal stuff. And it's important as a voice of activism that people can paint stuff on walls. Like it's been happening for years. It was happening through the troubles. It was happening through every single mass movement in history. But I think it's an interesting kind of narrative and you would be the type of person who would support 
proper legislation to make sure that there's a mixed development within an area. Mm. And part of that is how it looks as well. We don't want every Georgian building painted pink and white stripes. Like it would just look ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, those it's pink and white stripes could look great somewhere else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's interesting. It's, as you say, it's, it's more nuanced than we might consider. And that's definitely something that uh, should be looked at. And in terms of this, um, again, I, it's not my area, so I, I don't know in terms and it, of it, And it is my area and I don't know either. So I think what's yeah. interesting about life is like, kind of, you get a bit older and you realize it's a little bit more subtle and gray and nuanced. <laughs> uh, Absolutely. The, the absolutist yeah, that I was when I was 25 is, is, is definitely diminishing quite quite rapidly and i think it's interesting just to hear the other side of the story i was fascinated when i spoke to the woman in the council it was just this is amazing this is brilliant like it's amazing to hear another perspective on it whether yeah. I agree or not but it's amazing to hear yeah and no absolutely was, i agreed with yeah no it, it's it's so true to be listening to those different sides and that is a challenge to all of us to be open and listen and and engage um just to finish up around the importance of I suppose, you know, art as a form of protest, as a form of cr critique in society, because as often, you know, I am told by artists and we know, and it's, you know, not in terms of we feel it's different pressures in academia or NGOs that there's this pressure not to be political or critical, you know, just to do your yeah. work and, you know, not because if you're political, you know, this, the government isn't going to be happy and, the state's not going to be happy and you might get funding caught or, you know, you're deemed to be a bit out there. But yet it's so important that, you know, we do critique and, and that artists do that. But it, it it is a challenge as well within art, I'd say, to within the arts and creative community to be critical in a sense. I suppose it depends on what every artist wants to do. Like what, what, mm. what what's the point of your art? Is it something that is evocative emotion? Is it narrative based? Is it... It, is it about just the pure hedonism of it? Is it just purely beautiful? Is it mm. something that is driven by a force of activism? So it's the wonderful thing about art. It can have so many different purposes. I kind of started out with a lot of my stuff not being overtly political, even though I'm somebody who's very interested in that. Yeah, it, just, it was it was an area that I was going to kind of moving away from. But funnily enough, as I moved into kind of looking at the self and looking at identity and masks and all of these things, the political ended up seeping in. And I think even the word political to me is a problematic word because yep. what is politics? It's dealing with housing, water, mm. electricity. It's dealing with equality. It's dealing with legislation around health. It's dealing, it's dealing with absolutely everything involved in our life. Yeah. Like when you see somebody saying, I'm not political, it's like, okay, okay. So you don't want, you don't want your bins to be collected. Uh, yeah. Like you don't want uh, legislation that will let um, X, Y, and Z happen. Like you don't want equality legislate. Like everything is, is is political. But I think when it comes to art and being political and art, that's kind of cause driven or trying to evoke a change. And artists have always been there to do that. And I think what's great about a lot of different forms of art, whether it's music or painting or theater or literature, is artists have an ability to to in some ways clarify or shine a light on in a very um, specific way onto a problem and make you look at the problem in a way that you hadn't thought of before. Mm. Um, so it's like that quote about like um, great artists are able to hit a target 
that you can't reach geniuses hit a target that you can't see yeah it's it, it it's we, the, the art that you love the music that you adore regardless of whether it's a political message or not it opens up something in your head where you're astonished you watch a film and it changes your yourself fundamentally because it's it's a window into something that is deep within us whether it's personality wise or a sense of self or a sense of community or a sense of how we interact with people and i think that's the joy of the greatest forms of art even if it's somebody writing on a wall something stupid like the first piece of graffiti i ever saw that i remember was during the and this is showing my age during the hunger strikes yeah it was in Black Rock in South Dublin, and on a massive long wall, somebody had written free Nikki Kelly in black paint on this seven foot wall. It was yeah. about, probably about 50 meters long. And at that time, there was black flags all over the lampposts and around the country and the hunger strikers were it, it was a, a massive, a massive story. Somebody then came along and wrote with every pack of cornflakes after it. And it was the most it's, it's a really, really dark, terrible joke. <laughs> it's not at all. It was a horrible thing to write. Yeah. I remember I was like, whatever age I was, I was very young. It didn't compute. And it was just like, who has written that? And who has written that? And it just, yeah. it, regardless of whether the joke is right or wrong. Yeah. Something that was just quite fascinating to see and to see the activism being turned into something that somebody was taking the piss out of yeah probably yeah. the wrong reason but uh, but the ingenuity of, of the the ingenuity of the taking the piss as well like you know well the danger as well of that whoever did Absol that they got caught <laughs> i don't think absolutely yeah and, yeah and but... it wasn't at that time it wasn't in any way funny it was just I'm, I'm kind of more laughing at the 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 ridiculousness of it but what's interesting around that is like going back to like even in roman times there was a wall in rome where um a, like where there were like soap boxes and people could speak freely there was a wall where basically you could paint and write anything on it so yeah. it was effectively free speech on this one spot yeah so would come along and write it at, in the dead of night and it gave them an opportunity to at least vent their anger yeah yeah you don't interesting. Have that vent, we're in big trouble yeah absolutely absolutely listen asbestos has been absolutely brilliant to to talk to you and you. um love love the uh the all your art and keep at it um and it's really interesting the conversation around art and social change and i think our listeners will you know really found that interesting and um it's great as well to be engaging with the housing issue because i think it yeah. is a way that people connect with and that isn't you know figures and it's a form of communication highlighting it so i appreciate it. thank you yeah and thank that. you as well like one of the things i find quite fascinating is you're one of the voices i feel that's trying to almost take the in some ways the emotion out of it and just try and deal with trying to find solutions but trying to find solutions that aren't knee-jerk and looking looking further into the future so it's it's really fascinating reading some of the stuff you're writing i don't know if everyone's listening <laughs> the people who should be listening maybe aren't but hopefully they do in time in time <laughs> <laughs> these things take time listen thank you so much and uh, hopefully we'll chat again absolutely yeah. wonderful cheers cheers and that was asbestos there you can check out he's on instagram um art of asbestos and uh yeah well worth well worth checking out and following and thank you so much and thank you to our listeners um as always reboot republic produced by tony groves of tortoise Shack media if you can help us out we are independent media 
go over to patron um, patreon.com forward slash tortoise shack and uh, you can check back lots of the podcasts we've been doing covering uh, actually art and there's a a festival called Fela housing taking place in Galway um, I'm speaking at an event in the run-up to it on the Sunday evening, which is the 5th of March in Charlie Burns in Galway at 6 o'clock. And then the Fela housing is taking place the 11th to 12th uh, celebration with artists around housing and looking at how we can get change around housing. That should be good. Listen, we'll thank you so much for listening. As always, please share if you can. And we'll talk to you all very, very soon. <laughs>